Hey, there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress here and welcome to another episode of the Purpose Driven Podcast. I hope you've had a lovely weekend. If you're in Sydney like me, um, I hope you managed to find a way to get outside and enjoy the beautiful sunshine whilst also following all the lockdown rules. <laughs> it, was, um, it was such a beautiful winter weekend and um, I you know, we can go out for exercise. So I think it was just a really good opportunity to to kind of take care of our mental health whilst also staying safe and socially distanced. Um, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Uh, I'm recording this again from my little makeshift um, studio, which involves my phone and a pair of headphones with a speaker attached to it. <laughs> and I'm trying to get my stuff shipped down to Sydney at the moment. So I will hopefully have my recording equipment relatively soon. Today, we're going to be talking about cognitive biases. So something pretty different from last week when I do something um, as heavy as last week's episode I like to kind of switch it up and do something uh, that's quite different. Um, a cognitive bias if you don't haven't heard of that before you probably have because it's been gaining a lot of popularity uh, but a cognitive bias is essentially according to Google a systematic error in thinking that occurs when people are processing and interpreting information in the world around them and it affects the decisions and judgments that we make. So it's sort of like I've talked about this um, before, but this idea that like basically our brain is a very lazy pattern recognition machine. Now, it's lazy because it's fussy. It only likes to consume a very particular type of energy, which is glucose. And that takes quite a lot of work for the body to actually make glucose for, you know, to, to refine um, everything that we eat into glucose where other parts of our body can use other forms of energy so our brain consumes like it's only 10% of our body mass but I think it consumes like 80% of our or maybe it's a little bit less I can look it up while we're chatting but um, it consumes a lot of energy for the amount for the size right it's um it's a calorie burning machine. So, you know, if you want to burn more calories and you're sitting down, if you start reading or you start studying or you start thinking, you actually burn more calories. Uh, we don't just burn calories through like exercise. We burn calories through thinking. And so our brain wants to avoid having to think really hard about every problem, right? Because we have millions and millions of bits of information flooding our brain every second, and it can only process about 40 to 120 bits of information. So I think it's 11 million bits of data per second. So our brain is like got to be really good at filtering, 
really good at deciding what to do, what to focus on and pay attention. But as a result, it means that we sometimes process information in a way that isn't particularly useful. And if you're aware of what these cognitive biases are, it can help you to uh, make better decisions for your business, for your relationships, for your life, for everything. So today I'm going to talk about seven of them. They're the seven that um, Inc. listed as like Inc. magazine um, as sort of like particularly relevant for um, business and your career. Um, But there's literally hundreds of them. And if you are a nerd like me and you enjoy this stuff, you can actually go and like uh, research this yourself. Just go on Wikipedia, look up cognitive biases. Um, it's pretty It's pretty cool. Um, so we're going to talk about seven of them. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention was uh, Daniel Kahneman. So Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky were, won a um, Nobel Prize in economics for sort of their findings around decision-making and developing this idea of system one and system two thinking, which I've talked about on some YouTube videos and I've talked about on the show before. So there's a really good book that Daniel Kahneman wrote. I have to admit, I couldn't get through it all. I'm going to attempt again to get through it all. I read about half called Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, And he talks about these two symptoms. So systems, I can't edit this. Sorry. So we're just going to have to, you're just going to have to deal with the little mistakes that I make. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the last two episodes I've done as well haven't been edited at all. They've just been like completely um, like the full thing, just whatever I say. And I am drinking a coffee, so you're going to hear me um, drink my coffee throughout the show too. So system one thinking is this cognitive bias type. What What causes these cognitive biases, right? So it's sort of the stuff that it's really great in a crisis. If you need to make a decision about whether or not to cross the road, like you're stuck in the road and you're trying to get off the road, if you're about to have a car accident, if you're all of those like reactionary things, like system one thinking is really great for that because it's going to force us to make a quick decision. It's going to be like, come on, Lauren, chop, chop. You don't have time. Like just move, just move. Um, And that can save our lives. It can also um, destroy lives. So that's also the part of our brain that causes someone to think that, oh, this person's pulling out a gun when they're just pulling out a wallet. Um, so we don't, we don't want to be, we need to be really aware of these biases because they can have huge, like they literally can um, have an effect on life or death situations and um, really, really important to be aware of that. System two thinking is the thinking that is slow thinking. It takes time. It's the kind of thing, if I said to you, I want you to count back, backwards from 207s, you know, okay, 200, 193, oh shit, what's the next one? 186, 100 and, you can hear, my like my brain has to really, you can hear my brain thinking. You can't hear my brain thinking, but you kind of can, right? Like it's, all of a sudden I've got to, actually stop everything else and think about the task it's sort of like I can't I can't really process that much else of what's going on around me because I'm so focused on that task at hand system two thinking is the thinking that we want to engage when we're thinking about new products when we're thinking about new services when we're thinking about how to move forward in our business or with our career 
when we're trying to work out whether to stay with someone or leave someone or to have children or not have children. We don't want to be using our system one thinking for that because these are big life decisions, right? And we can, t- if we take time and think slowly, uh, it's going to be a lot better for us to come to a, um, I wouldn't say rational decision because we still use like our emotional um, part of our brain. And this is something that I talked about with Brian Fretwell a, a while back. We talked about the power of intuition and tapping into that, but it's more about it being um, slow, deliberate, considered thinking. And if you want some more strategies for decision-making, I've also done a podcast episode that's on decision-making um, and I've done some YouTube videos on that too. So I'll put that in the show notes. All right. So let's talk about some of these cognitive biases. Let's talk about some of these things that happen when we're sort of not processing information in a way that really looks at everything. So the first one, um, and like I said, this is not all of them. This is just some of them. The first one is confirmation bias, confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is basically the idea that like we use evidence around us to confirm things something that we already believe in i'm just going to pull up the actual definition and then i'm going to give you an example of um of what this looks like and i've done a youtube video about this specific one too because confirmation bias is so common it is everywhere and as someone who goes in and looks at reconsidering data i see this pop up all the time so it's the tendency to search for interpret or favor and then also recall information in a way that confirms or supports your prior beliefs or values so a fantastic example of this and a very common one that we see everywhere is the law of attraction the law of attraction is an example of confirmation bias so it's when when the example I use in my YouTube video is like you see this in like if you've watched The Secret or if you watch any of those things people will start talking about circumstantial evidence for the law of attraction so they might say like I thought of a parking spot and then all of a sudden there was a parking spot right where I wanted it to be the universe made that happen and so their belief their prior belief is that the universe will make those things happen I'm I'm paraphrasing okay Um, and that's fine as a belief you know people believe all sorts of things like um, but we need to actually look at the evidence and unpack that and go well is that evidence to support the belief or not so um, another example the one I use on YouTube is like a blue car if you kind of said to yourself I believe that the universe I attract things that I think about and focus on and that I create you know, energy around all that kind of stuff. I believe, you know, the the universe sees that and like attracts like. And so I'm going to test it. I'm going to test it out. I'm going to cu- conduct a little experiment. I'm going to think about a blue car on my way to work. And I'm going to see how many blue cars I see versus maybe you could even test it against something else like red cars or something. Um, and you're seeing all of these blue cars. You're like, there was like on my 10 minute walk there were 50 blue cars on the way to work okay clearly I'm on to something I'm going to test it tomorrow with red cars you know wow there were like 40 red cars you know I clearly the universe is bringing this stuff to me right clearly even with something as simple as this 
you know, I can see that this is happening. Well, that's an example of confirmation bias because the blue cars were there anyway, but you're using that evidence. You're using that, you know, to, to support something that you believe anyway. Um, if we use something else, like if we use something that wasn't like the blue cars were there anyway, like I said, okay, or how do you know they were there anyway? Well, one thing we know about how the brain works is like, um, is that we pay attention to the things that we are thinking about. So what my argument is, and what I have talked about on another, talking a lot about my YouTube videos today, on another YouTube video that I did on, um, more like, uh, you know, is the, is the law of attraction scientifically proven? Um, one thing I talk about is the fact that, well, when we shift our goals, when we shift what we're thinking about and, or we set new intentions for ourselves, we start seeing different things in the world because our brain filters so much information out. So with something as simple as a blue car, well, yeah, we're going to see more blue cars if we're focusing on it because now our brain has been primed to look for blue cars in the environment. Where before we would have just been probably thinking about like, where am I going to get my coffee from? We were probably, probably what was stood out to us if we were thinking that was like where all the coffee shops are because that's what, that's what's relevant to our brain at that point in time. Um, so yeah, if you want to find out more about that, like I said, I'll put all the links that I'm talking about here in the show notes. Super interesting one, happens all the time. If we want to use a business example, um, you might see this happen with like your boss or you might see this happen with a client where they go, oh yeah, we changed this. So they, they might believe that bringing on a new salesperson increased their revenue, right? It's just, you know, okay, that makes sense. Sales does lead to business. So, you know, that seems plausible. But if we want to unpack that and make sure there's no confirmation bias there, what we want to look at is what else was going on in the business. So if we find out that there was actually a campaign that an agency ran six months beforehand, um, we would want to consider that. If we looked at like the fact that a lot of other salespeople weren't doing their job, it might not be that it's because of this salesperson. It might be because the other salespeople weren't following protocols. It might be more because of the business's protocols and not because of that specific person. Um, So it's really important. It's a really, really powerful one. To, um, to help you question things um, in your business, in your client's business, or in your the business that you work in um, as an employee. All right, second one is loss aversion. So loss aversion is basically the idea that we would rather, we, we value not losing something more than we value gaining something. We would rather not lose something that we already have then acquire something new. And this is really interesting for like, if you think about bonuses, right? So if you say to someone, I will give you this amount of money more, I will give you an extra uh, $200 every time you make a sale. For instance, people are going to value that less than if you said, I'm going to take $200 away from you if you don't make any sales, which I don't know if you could actually do that. (laughs) You could take, you know, like, uh, the the expect actually you probably could so you could set it up where you said like okay the expectation is that you make five sales a week and um, we've put that into your pay packet so you're earning commission for five sales per week um, if you don't make those five sales then we'll deduct that from the amount that um, we put in there 
to, to finalize your payment for that week or that month. That would probably work better because if you think about it, right, say like you were on a train and you moved your wallet or something and you, you know, you know, you have 50 bucks in your wallet, you're on a train, the 50 bucks drops out of your wallet, you leave the train and you realize later on the day you've lost 50 bucks right? You're not just going to feel too good about it. Oh, that was on the train. Okay. I've lost that. I'm not getting that back. You feel pretty bad about that. That feeling of losing the 50 bucks that you had and that you earn in your wallet for most people is worse than if you were on a train and you found the 50 bucks, even though finding money is awesome. It's like we, we value those two, even though that $50 is worth exactly the same amount, we value them very differently. I have some more coffee otherwise it's going to go cold okay um the third one is the gambler's fallacy so this one <laughs> you would see a lot with people who like to gamble um basically it's the idea that if you keep doing something eventually the odds will change so now we need to think about this because sometimes that's true um, and it's the way that you think about probability. So, for instance, if I said to you, well, it's, there's a 1% chance that you can close a cold call, right? Uh, that means that every time you get on the phone, there's a 1 in 100 chance that that person will close. So... We can use that to do some maths. We can say, okay, well, it, that means that like I wouldn't, shouldn't even really be expecting a sale for at least 100 calls because it's only a 1% chance that I'll close. So if I'm not doing that activity, if I'm not making those calls, then uh, there's no chance that I'm going to make a sale. But that's kind of half true. So it's like, yes, if you keep doing that business activity, eventually you'll close one. But every time you make that call, it's a one in a hundred chance. So the same with like flipping a coin, right? Every time you flip a coin, the chances of it landing on heads or tails is 50-50. But what people think is, well, if I do five or six of them, if I flip the coin five or six times, then the chances of me flipping a, to a, um, a head or a tail, let's, let's say you wanted it to go to heads. You're like, okay, flip it, tails, flip it, tails, flip it, tails. You start thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to keep flipping because eventually it's going to have to land on heads. So it's like the thinking is, is there's more, every time I flip it, there's more of a chance that it will land on heads. But that's not true. It's always the same chance. It's always a 50% chance that it will land on heads. It's just that it, it has nothing to do with the sequence, if that makes sense. So that's how people can end up getting into more and more debt because they think my odds will come, like eventually this has to work because I've, I've been doing this activity for such a long time, eventually it has to work. Um, that's a gambler's fallacy. All right, availability cascade. So this one's super interesting to think about, um, you know, after the, the year and a half that we've had with COVID. So the availability cascade is sort of like 
we start something something pops up on the news right something so it's made available to our brains like we're suddenly aware of this issue oh there's this issue um so you know with covid you know people started talking about covid oh okay like there's this there's this issue right and then as more and more people hear about the issue it becomes a bigger and bigger issue to do something about it's like everyone's talking about this we have to do this right so there's lots of other emergencies in the world that we're not talking about in the same way that we talk about covid like the biggest one is like well i think one of the biggest ones is like what's happening to our planet which is a multifaceted problem but like the world is always on but you shouldn't be put junk sleep to bed at Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. Let's think about David Attenborough's uh, documentary that he did, you know, A Life on Our Planet, which I highly recommend watching if you haven't. It's amazing. So the problems that David Attenborough is talking about have, uh, have been known for a long time right we it's not like he's talking about anything new in that documentary but what he's but he's got a lot of presence right so he's got a lot of like he's got a big brand a big reputation like we've grown up with David Attenborough for like multiple generations so David Attenborough talks about something and we're like oh like we really need to pay attention and more and more people start talking about it. That's the availability cascade. It's, it's on more people's minds. And so then action happens because it's like, well, this is the issue of our time. Um, but it's not that there aren't other issues. Yeah. I feel like I didn't explain that one as well as I wanted to because it's actually pretty cool. But you can look it up as well. I'm going to just pull it up um on my computer so yeah i guess this is kind of useful to hear this definition so this is from chicago unbound they say it's a self-reinforcing process of collective belief formation by which an expressed perception triggers a chain reaction that gives the perception increasing plausibility through its rising availability in public discourse now i've talked about things that are actually happening right like covid and like you know, our planet kind of losing its biodiversity and the impact of climate change and global warming. So we could also say that it's like, even if there's something that isn't true, this can happen as well, right? So an example of that could be something like QAnon, where like we all know, well, most of us know what QAnon is. If you don't, Oh, prepare yourself it's nuts but there there's this following there's this some of the all of this bullshit that these guys talk about is more and more available so then you have this formation of collective beliefs you have people that are going to like storm the capital you know and are going to harm people and want to kill people because of their beliefs you have um this sort of like 
chain reaction now from something that's come out of complete nonsense. Um, With a lot of conspiracy theories, this happens, right? Like if you've got enough people believing it, it triggers this chain reaction of events because people start going, oh, well, maybe it's true and maybe this part of it's true and then maybe, so how do you deal with that? Okay, Um, the framing effect. So this is number five. The framing effect is, is like how we talk about, and it sort of relates to the loss aversion one. It's like how we talk about um, something happening. So it's easier if I explain it with an example. But if I said, okay, look, like, um, you know, there's a 30% chance that you'll survive this operation. Or I said, there's a 70% chance that you will die from this operation. That means the same thing. But which one feels nicer? If I said you have a 30% chance that you'll survive, like 0% chance if you don't have this operation, so you've got a 30% chance you'll survive, would you have the operation? You're not going to survive otherwise. A lot of people say yes. But if I said you've got a 70% chance you'll die, you still don't have any chance of surviving without the operation, you might go, well, I would rather live out the rest of my life without the operation than die on the table. There's a very likely chance that that could happen. Um, that's the framing effect. Uh, let me see again, because I, I think about the examples more so than I think about the definitions. So the way the framing effect is talked about is that it's where people decide on options based on whether the options are presented with positive or negative um, outcomes. Okay, so let's just pause there for a second and have a think about like how do these things affect our decision making? Like I used some examples there, but like so we talked about so far confirmation bias and how we can believe that something is evidence of like how many things do we walk around assuming? Like this is what I see has a massive impact on like businesses not being able to move forward because it's too scary to go, I have to change my beliefs. So all the evidence is like not looked at for what it is because it's like I just want to use what's around me to support the beliefs I already have. And it's kind of like, well, the beliefs you already have about what's working and isn't working in the business are not necessarily helping the business move forward in some cases. So we need to question that. Um, We talked about loss aversion. So again, that's the losing $50 versus finding $50. The gambler's fallacy, so flipping a coin repetitively even though think and thinking you'll get, you'll increase the chances of getting one side versus the other. Um, the availability cascade, so that's the everyone is talking about it thing. And then we talked about the framing effect, so the 30% chance you'll survive versus 70% chance you'll die. All right. Number six is the bandwagon effect. So the bandwagon effect is essentially, well, everyone else is doing it. So we better do it too. Now, this is interesting because we see this happen with trends all the time in marketing, right? So we see it's specifically related to when people's preferences for a commodity increases. So we see like, um, hang on. Um, and it also happens in other things as well, not just in uh, consumption. But 
it's basically like when we it's FOMO it's FOMO that's what it is it's like regardless of what I believe regardless of what I want everyone else is doing this maybe I should do this too instead of us thinking like what does what what does this have to do with what I believe in here's a great example van life right going camper vanning around Australia America wherever you are oh by the way if you're listening from America happy 4th of July happy Independence Day um I hope you actually got to see people and like connect and be in real life and with the people that you love because uh I know that America is starting to open up now and that's so awesome for you guys because it's been such a long time um that you haven't been able to do those things so I hope it was a really really awesome long weekend um so what was I saying the bandwagon effect I was saying this is what it's a problem when I can't edit it (laughs) what's the example um oh van life okay so we saw all these like you know uh people posting about how awesome their vans were this is this is like pre-covid it was huge like i i was going to go camper vanning with my ex in 2020 that was our plan we had we were like getting sorry not in 2020 this year in 2021 we were instead of going to townsville we were going to go camper vanning around australia and when we couldn't go we decided okay well let's move up to Queensland instead because at least that's kind of like moving we were were living in Wollongong and we were kind of a bit over living in Wollongong even though it's beautiful Um, so we were going to go camp vanning around Australia and I have to admit I actually hadn't been following the trends at all like I I had already we had already discussed like a year before that we were going to go and we were trying to work out our finances around it and stuff before um then I started looking at oh there's all these people talking about this afterwards and I was like oh this is really funny because it's been like so glamorized right like it's people have these $60,000 vans with like fridges and bathrooms and showers and you know then and it's just looks so amazing and like they can just like go and live in the wild and it's great and um I was, I've also watched YouTubers who talk about like how difficult it is. One in particular that's great is Anna's analysis. Um, and she did it on her own and she was like, well, you know, this is what I could afford and this is what I did and this is how it worked and this, these were the problems. And, um, and I was like, yeah, there must be a lot of people who would be doing this thinking it was going to be perhaps a bit different to what it is. And for some people it might just not be the right thing like it, it it's sort of like is that what I actually want based on my personality who I am what I want around me and what I want to do or am I just thinking I want to do it because everyone else is doing it so the bandwagon effect is like discounting your own ideas beliefs desires wants needs in order to do what everyone else is doing because it looks cool and you don't want to miss out and FOMO All right, final one, which I have talked about before, um, and we see this all the time, particularly in the coaching world um, and consulting world as well, is the Dunning-Kruger effect. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is essentially that people who don't know that much about something or don't have that much skill in an area 
learn a little bit about it and then think that they're experts or thinks they're proficient at it. Um, Let me get the proper definition for you while we're here. So it's a hypothetical cognitive bias stating that people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability. Um, And I think hypothetical cognitive bias, that's interesting. Elsewhere it's saying it's a psychological bias. I haven't heard of hypothetical cognitive bias before. So it's like, (laughs) it's kind of like, you know, uh, if you watch The Queen's Gambit, and I'm not really giving too much away because this is in like the trailer. If you if you haven't watched it, by the way, you should totally watch it. It's amazing. I love chess. So there's this scene where she goes to her first like chess tournament, and she seems like she'd be an amateur because she's going. I don't have a rating. I um I don't know how the tournament really works. Um, and she's like really confident and they're kind of laughing at her like what do you mean like you're gonna get like pummeled these guys have like really high ratings and you've never played before you know um so they if she if she couldn't actually go in and play like a you know she's she's like amazing chess player but if she wasn't it's like that's actually pretty common like people overestimate their ability like oh I've, I've been practicing they go into a tournament and like they've got no clue what they're doing um, or, you know, it happens, like I said, with coaching and consulting. So people read a book that changes their life and then they think, I read a book about this. Now I'm an expert in it. Or people get into a good relationship and they go, I'm an expert at, at dating. I'm going to help everyone else with their dating. So it's like it's amateurs kind of thinking they're great and what we see a lot of online is we see a lot of amateurs having a lot to say about things that they don't know that much about and at the same time we see people who actually know quite a lot who won't say anything because they know how much they don't know and I've talked about on this show before when I was talking about thought leadership how important it is for people who are experts, or even if they're not comfortable with that word, who know a lot about a particular subject matter, need to talk about it because if they don't, the loudest voices are often from the amateurs. But you can't blame the amateurs because like, they're getting feedback that, oh, this is good. This is like, people wanna hear from me. So, um, and then I think the other thing is, is in spaces outside of thought leadership, how good you are at something doesn't even really matter. So actually what a lot of people want to hear about um, and this is more related to coaching consulting and less to cognitive bias is like when it comes to like youtubers and podcasters and stuff like a lot of stuff I talk about on this show I'm not an expert in I'm not an expert in cognitive bias right but I also am someone who's like well I'm just learning I'm not pretending to be an expert I'm just like I see myself as like anyone else who listens to this show I don't see myself as more knowledgeable or better or has more insight I'm just like let's be on this journey together and so you don't have to necessarily just while I got you if you're hesitant about putting yourself out there it doesn't have to be like this expert versus um, you know expert sharing all of this insight with people who've got no clue Uh, it can actually be more of a dialogue in which we, we see each other as equals in conversation with one another. I think that actually works really, really well. So, sorry, just went off on a little tangent there, but um, I think the Dunning-Kruger effect is in particular pretty interesting. Um, 
I've been going for half an hour already. So like that's that's kind of it for me for today. If you enjoyed today's show, you think it would be useful to someone, please share it with them. You can also make a donation on my Ko-fi page. It's ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. It would be super helpful to me, particularly at the moment. Um, so anything you can do there would be great. And um, next week, I'm going to be talking about manipulative storytelling being used in businesses to entice employees to do things that they might not otherwise do. I want to talk about sort of like we had talked about manipulative marketing a few weeks back and uh, people seem to really like that. So I want to talk about manipulative storytelling. It's sort of a continuation of that um, theme, but I want to talk about it more from how businesses and employees relate to each other instead of businesses and consumers. Um, So tune in for that. I hope you have an awesome week and until next time remember that stepping into your power will make the world a better place cheers guys not running your business on netsuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes netsuite by oracle is the number one cloud financial system giving you visibility and control of your financials inventory budgeting and more all in one place 93 percent of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to netsuite over 31,000 businesses already use netsuite this summer netsuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go netsuite.com go